Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. This is where top performers share their secrets to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and together with my seriously amazing guests, we bring you inspiring and actionable insights to take your life and your business to the next level. Ranked in the top 2% globally, this podcast really is a must-listen, and it's because of my guests. So whether you're tuning in for entrepreneurial tips, career advice, or personal development strategies, Get ready to turn inspiration into action, challenges into triumphs, and dream into reality. So today's show, I'm really delighted to welcome from the Netherlands, Rich Habits, and he joins us to share, excuse me, how he helps people gain a new perspective on life and business. And as a founder and lead coach at Insight Inc., Rich is a master at fostering meaningful discussions, be it one-on-one or with teams and all without making anyone feel wrong. And that is so important. And we're going to be talking about that. It's too easy when you're in the catbird seat to just, you know, keep on talking and not really listen to what you're saying to somebody, even if your intentions might be good. It just happens. So what sets Rich apart in the leadership and coaching world is his knack for propelling clients who are already formidable to even greater heights. And he is known as a silent yet powerful ally behind the scenes, and he plays a key role in their journeys. And Rich's mission is crystal clear, to assist others into tapping in to their untapped potential, transforming their lives into beacons of success, growth, and personal accomplishment. Welcome to your partner in success, Rich. It's good to have you here. Wow. Thank you. What an introduction. Thank you, Denise. Uh, It's lovely (laughs) to be here. (laughs) Well, you were going, and I have to tell the audience, we had you scheduled for, I think it was last week, and you had just returned from kind of a whirlwind trip, and for some reason, our tech failed, and I was Mm -hmm. a little bit relieved by that, because I didn't want you to show up tired and, you know, pushed or rushed, so here we've had a little time to relax, and I mean, I'm excited to have you here, so tell me, tell us, how do you show up in the world other than what I just described? Well, what, what people really need to know about me is that I'm the great experimenter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, never un- <laughs> I never understood that about myself. But the older I get, I start to see that I've made so many mistakes in my life, uh, including with my clients. You know, I've done. I've used to be a management consultant. That's how I started out when I um, when I left college. And um, what I did wrong in the beginning, what I thought at least, what I did wrong is I would. I just love experimenting. I just love doing things, testing things, trying out things. You know, it's no surprise. I like gadgets. I like new things. But I, I, I tended to make myself a bit wrong when something didn't go well. And what I found out over the past five years, really, is the value of all of that testing that didn't work. Because my clients, you know, you, t- you said, you know, I, I get paid for helping them get to see where they get in their own way or where they're doing things that are not helpful and not empowering. I mostly help them not to make the mistakes that I've made. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, and I never really understood the value of that, but it's so valuable to have somebody who knows how it works, who's basically seen it all. Well, it's impossible to see it all, but a lot. And uh, to to just help people not make the same mistakes that you've made. And today I was reading a newspaper. I was actually, uh, I was getting my winter tires on, on my car. And uh, next to that place, there's a McDonald's, right? So I went into the McDonald's for some coffee. And I read in the paper that uh, Charlie Munger died. Um, he did a couple of days ago. Brook, Brookshire, yeah. 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 yeah, 90, he wasn't he almost 100 years old? I don't know, really old. Really, yeah. but he was also a really wise guy, right? Really wise, down to earth guy. And he and uh, there was a quote in the newspaper that said, um, "Everybody know, wants to know why Berkshire Hathaway is so successful." And he said, "Well, the one reason we're successful is that we don't make costly mistakes. Everybody's oh. out for the for the strategies, for the flashy things, right? But he says we just don't make big mistakes. That's what we do." And I thought, wow. and you know, it takes a great deal of self-assurance and understanding who you are and what you do to make that kind of a statement. Yeah. yeah. I would be terrified to make that kind of a statement because I would immediately call myself out and just wait for everybody else to do it at the same time. So that's yeah. repeat what he said, because that's pretty important. Well, he said that people come. People always ask us, "Why are you got? Why you guys are? Why are you beating the markets all the time? And how come you're doing well when somebody else is not doing well?" He said, "Our number one strategy is not making big mistakes, preventing people to make big big mistakes, inventing the uh, stopping the companies that we invest in to make big mistakes. Because if you just do that, you're already doing better than the market." You know, that's just almost too simple to be true, isn't it? But it's yeah. brilliant in its simplicity. It absolutely is. Wow. Especially in a world where we think we constantly have to, you know, run with the things that are new and the things that are flashy. And, uh, you know, he even said like cryptocurrency, right? He talks about cryptocurrency. He says uh, cryptocurrency is uh, cryptocurrencies are red poison. He said we don't get in there. But they right. also missed the technological investments, right? They didn't invest into Microsoft for a long, long time. Because they didn't understand the business model. And he always said, we don't invest in things that are not, that we don't understand. And of course, people say, well, you missed out. But he also didn't make, it also prevented him from making a lot of mistakes. Well, and again, that's a very powerful statement. If you don't understand it, you probably should at least wait until you have a better understanding or take the time to learn it and understand it and then say yay or nay. But don't just jump in because it's, you know, shiny object syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And our minds, we, at least some minds, we always look for the new and the novel and the things that are flashy and, uh, you know, what's the newest technology and AI. I want to, I need to jump into AI where we all have a bit of, you know, fear of missing out of all this stuff. And then there's this guy, this wise guy, Charlie Munger, and he says, just prevent yourself from making the big mistakes and you'll be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to have to write that on my whiteboard and look up at it multiple times a day. <laughs> Just, I, you know, entrepreneurs, you know this. I know that any of us who are doing our own thing, building our own businesses, helping other people, we make mistakes. We fail every day, multiple times a day. It might be small. It might be a whopper. It may be, oh, my God, I'm going to have to go sit outside and eat dirt, you know, type of a whopper. 
But we fail all day long, but we learn, at least I'm hoping, as you said, we learn from those mistakes. And in a way, it seems to me like you cherish those mistakes because now they've put you on a, a completely different path where you can help other people because you've been there, done that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, in the past, I made, I had judgments towards myself. Oh, you'll never learn. Don't you mm -hmm. get it? You know, there are other people are smarter. And if you really, if, if that's your position towards your mistakes, then you don't learn. You get stuck in making yourself wrong, other people wrong, you know, the environment wrong, whatever. But the only reason, the only way you can grow is by really getting out of your self-judgments and really see, hey, what did I learn? How can I use everything to learn from? And those are the people that, that generally just move ahead. But why don't we all do that? I mean, again, it seems so simple. It seems so common common sense never mind i just figured it out <laughs> common sense is not that common no 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 how did you say that there's a, a quote by ross braun do you know ross braun formula one guy yes yeah i know who he is yeah so i once saw an interview with him and um his team a couple of years ago they won the formula one world championship with a team that only existed for one year that had basically no budget but they beat everybody right and they asked him for the secret. And he said, well, the secret is that um, it's common sense. Right. And the interviewer said, well, common sense. Doesn't everybody have common sense? He says, nope. especially in Formula One, common sense is the most uncommon thing. We all want to make it more complex. We want to overanalyze over uh, over over it. And he says, there's nothing less common than common sense. And that goes back to the Charlie Munger thing, because he was right. also a common sense guy, right? And critical thinking, that seems to be in short supply these days. Yeah, yeah. Even thinking at all. Most people don't think. Most people no. just repeat their echo chamber. I'm afraid you're right. And I, you know, I hate to, to agree with you on that, even though I've said it myself, because... You know, we don't want to be unkind or cruel to our fellow man, but seriously, stop and think. Take a breath. Just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and if you need to go sit down in the corner and think about what you're doing, just stop and think. And I don't know, Rich, if it's because we're always in such a hurry or shiny object syndrome, or as you said, echo chamber. Listen, I don't watch the news. I turned off cable to 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I won't allow that garbage in my home. I just won't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's the same reason I don't eat McDonald's every day, yeah. right? I'm not even every week. It's also that I don't put certain junk thoughts in my mind, right? I don't put junk food in my body. I don't put junk thoughts in my mind because they they slow me down. They stop me. And that's not what I'm up. That's not my thing, what I'm out for. You know, I'm, I want to have an amazing life where I make a difference, where I am a great dad, a great husband, a great coach for my clients and consultant. I want to help companies grow, people grow. And I get in my own way when I allow certain thoughts in there. They just disempower me. They do. And listen, we all, and I know you know this, we all have that internal dialogue going on all the time. It's like, oh, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I don't feel good. I've got it. You know, that whiny kid voice that's in your head. And I'll tell you in the world, if anybody, let's say I was in a Walmart parking lot, 
spoke to me in the, the way that I speak to my own self, I would need bail money. I'd be in jail. <laughs> you know, so, you know, stop with the negative self-talk. Stop, think, and, you know, switch it around. Say, well, I've made mistakes. Boy, have I made some mistakes. But it's, here's what I learned. And this is how I can make it different. And that's what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to go a bit deeper into that, huh? We, we will never get rid of that internal critic. I call yeah. it the onboard consultant, right? It always uh, has an opinion. I like that better than whiny brat. I'm going to borrow that. I, I always, when I work with my, my uh, executive clients, I always tell them, look, do you ever hire a consultant? And they say, of course we do, because they've all worked with McKinsey or Boston Consulting Group or one of those, one of those companies. And I say, so when you have a consultant and no matter how much you pay them a day, sometimes they're like, 3000 a day, right? $3,000 or euros a day. So do you take everything they say and do you implement it? Or do you still get a bit critical? Do you still bring your own thinking to it? And I said, of course, because these people, they don't know everything about my business. I'm the CEO. I know more. I said, okay. And that makes sense. That's good. Then why do you take your thinking as if it's always true? Because your thinking is basically the same as that onboard, as that consultant. Your onboard consultant has opinions about everything. Why do you take that as the truth? And then they go, hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. And honestly, I as I get older and wiser, and I'm saying that with air quotes. I'm not sure I ever, we all get older. I'm not sure how much wiser we can all get. But I will catch myself having that, you know, that, onboard consultant conversation and I'll realize and I realized this a few weeks ago I was working on an excel spreadsheet when and I was going through you know my final quarter what has to happen what needs to you know where am I what's going to happen in in 2024 and for some reason I went down a rabbit hole and I was convinced that something had happened and I think it had to do with the purchase of my home and it I just knew that it happened in this particular year I was off by two years, but mm. I believed it. I believed that my my narrative, my self-narrative was true until I was able to find documents and find out I was off by two years. So we have to be careful about what we tell ourselves to believe is my point. Yeah, yeah. I always call that, um, I, sometimes I have weird language, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I always call that what's in your listening. What's in your listening, right? Yeah. I always tell people what's in your listening. And they always tell me, what do you mean what's in your listening? And look, who, who we are is um, we're always in a relation. We always have a conversation going on in our mind. And that conversation is about um, ourselves. We have a conversation with ourselves about okay. ourselves. We have a conversation with ourselves about our partners. We have a conversation with ourselves about the government. We, it's all a conversation. And all these conversations have been formed in probably the first 24 years of our lives, right? We've made decisions about how things are, what's good, what's bad, what's nice, what's not nice, what I like, what I don't like, what I agree with, what I don't agree with. By the time we're about 24, 25, we're basically set for life if we don't um, distinguish that it's a conversation anymore. Real growth, real freedom comes from not making those conversations wrong, but really writing down, how do I see 
myself and write that down for instance write down all the judgments that you have about yourself like i'm fat i'm ugly um uh, i don't i'm not smart um i'm uh, you know i'm loyal but on the other hand um if i find a better partner i'll i'll leave my partner right you just write oh, down all those things and most people don't do that because it's confronting and they have an opinion about themselves like oh my god look what's in my mind but the moment you write it on paper you go like oh, this is the internal software that runs me. This is the software. It's like Windows 95, right? Um, even <laughs> though it's 2024. Right? There's hmm? a big glitch going on there. Yeah, it, yeah but, it, but can you imagine, right? We're in 2023 right now. Right. A lot of people have Windows 95, even though it's 2023. So by now, there are much better operating systems. They're much faster. They're much more efficient. They're much you know, more suited for these times, but yet they stay with the operating system of, of like 95. In 95, that worked. It was a great operating system, but isn't it time for an upgrade? Oh, and yeah. in order to do the upgrade, you need to get rid of the old one and install a new one, right? A new operating system. Right. And again, common sense or, you know, at least critical thinking. So, well, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. What's my next step? don't just go slamming into walls and then blaming everybody uh, for your slamming into a wall because that's what most people do they make themselves wrong or other people wrong why why things are not working anymore well your operating system might not be the best operating system why don't you upgrade that one (laughs) that's what freedom is you're exactly right. And I was listening last night to As a Man Thinketh and Wallace Waddles and Audible and so much of what you're, you're referencing now, I was listening to basically in my sleep. I've heard the book before. It's several books in one. And I'm aware of all of them, but you're tapping on something that I was listening to yesterday. It's like, that's interesting because it's just, you never know what's going to come out during a conversation. And that leads me to ask you, I know that that you you really do help you know with your clients and with other people showing them how not to prove that everything is wrong but how to prove everything is right and I may not have said that very well but I hope you understood where I was going uh, can you say more well you you're a master of fostering meaningful discussions So Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, can you share some insights into your approach, especially when you're guiding clients to be introspective, which we're talking about, and discover valuable insights within the words of others? Because we do listen. I mean, we're bad about talking to ourselves. We can get really ugly when we're talking to ourselves. But Mm -hmm. we also take it to heart when other people are talking about or to us. And sometimes the, the takeaway that we got was absolutely not the right takeaway. So how do you help people say, is that, was that really true? Is that really what happened? Is that how you feel? How do you help people with that? My question is, how do, how do we get out of our own way? How do you help people get out of our own, the bus that's coming, that's going to hit us in about two seconds. And, you know, we're the bus. We're still, we're both, we're us and we're the bus. We're about to get clobbered. Yeah, so let me let me share a story. Um, so a while ago, a couple of years ago, there was this uh, leader of a company, and he called me up and he said, Rich, my team 
they 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 don't work it doesn't work they they don't they're not being held accountable um i always have to do the work um i have to do the heavy lifting they never come up with ideas can you fix them <laughs> right because it's always other people that need to be fixed <laughs> yeah and, um, ask any five it's not her fault trust me it's always yeah it's always never me it's always <laughs> always somebody else so I said, you know, I don't know if I can help you. When do you have your next team meeting? And he said, well, we're going to have a three-day retreat next week in some little German castle. I said, well, can I just sit in? So um, we started, and the guy kicked off the meeting, and uh, he talked a lot. And he said this and that, and this is where the market is going, and blah, 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 and we need to do this and that, and this is what we need to fix. And and then uh, he sat down, and people started talking, right? People started having conversations, bringing up ideas. And every time somebody would come up with an idea, he would just he would just jump in and say, no, 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 we tried that five years ago. It doesn't work. We don't need to talk about that. And then somebody else said something, and he said, well, you know, thank you for that, but I have information from headquarters. That's not the direction the company's going in, so that idea is not really something that I want to spend time on. And you could literally see the team, they, they went like, okay, we can't win with this guy. So just let's let's shut up because everything we say, he has a he's a, he's got something to say about it. So I called for a break. I said, okay, let's have a coffee break. And uh, at the coffee machine, I put my hand around him. I said, look, for the next two hours, I want you to shut up. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I just want you to shut up for you. I said, let your team talk, and no matter how much you think it's not smart or uh, it's not useful or it's not valuable no matter what you think don't say anything just let the conversation go even if it's get, get if it get if even if it gets uncomfortable and he said yeah i can do that so i made sure i sat next to him and people started talking and he started getting nervous i could see it you know he started wiggling his, wiggling his feet and uh, looking at his watch and he wanted he wanted to talk and i just tapped him on the knee a couple of times i said don't do it don't do it and he said, yeah, but I have to. I said, no, you don't have to. So at a certain moment, he couldn't hold himself anymore. And he just said, guys, come on. We just wasted an hour talking about this. It's not going to work. We tried that in the past. And I said, okay, everybody, time out again. And he was furious. He was furious, Denise. He just, at the same coffee machine, he said, how can you do this? You make me look bad in front of my people. I'm losing my authority, blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, I get it. I get that, that that's how it looks, but let it sink in. And he said, well, I don't know if I want to continue with the coaching and with the mentoring, blah, blah, blah. So three weeks later, he calls me up and he said, Rich, holy shit. I said, what do you mean? He said, I never saw what I did. I do this every time. I, I am somebody, if I don't contribute, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I'm the, the the fixer. I'm the problem solver. But what I see is that when I'm a people leader, that way of being doesn't help me because I shut people up. I don't allow their self-expression to flourish. And when I do that, people just, you know, they fall flat. And it's it's no wonder they don't take accountability because I know everything better. It's no wonder they have no ideas because, hey, it's always my ideas. And I've always struggled with that my whole life. When I was a, a content expert, that was great. That was fantastic. But it doesn't help me anymore in my leadership role. And I was like, oh, he reflected and he saw it. 
we we started and he understood eventually as he sat back and watched that there was no there was never going to be any collaboration as long as he was always having to be right exactly gotcha exactly. and he thought it was the team right i'm not saying the team is perfect but he got in the way of all the creativity in that team so once he saw that he, he you know when people see something, it doesn't mean they automatically are good at it. So we started a, a three-month coaching uh, project. And he more and more started to see that he has a fixed way that things have to be. Things have to be a certain way. And if they're not a certain way, he jumps in and he makes it a certain way. And of course, what happens is that people who are not that way, people who think in a different from a different perspective, they don't feel appreciate it they don't feel seen they don't feel heard so they leave the team or they go find another job or they shut up and what you get is a team with the boss who always speaks six months later he got a promotion to a global role because now he was able to bring his smarts um to a global role but also being very much aware of his, his internal dialogue of always having to fix, always having to jump in, always having to take responsibility. Because people only change when they see what they're doing that it's not serving them. You first need to see that. You cannot change anything if you don't know where you're coming from. And you don't know if you're harming other people or relationships, whether they're personal or business or even talking to somebody in the grocery store. If somebody says something to you in the grocery store of all places and you immediately correct them, yeah, yeah. the energy just, you know, flew out the window. And yeah, people and no don't see that. No, no. Well, good for him. So how, I have to ask you, how did you start doing this kind of work? Because it's very specific coaching. It is. Well, this one was. Um... I graduated in computer science, right? I was always interested in how do systems work and how do you how do you build systems and stuff like that. I've always been interested in how do things fit together, right? Um, like bigger picture thinking. And uh, in computer science, that was nice. So I did that for about six months. Then I went to management consulting because I was interested in how do companies work? How does leadership work? Um, what does a good company look like? What's a bad company? You know, I've always been looking at those things. And in 2009, uh, I just was kind of bummed out by my job as a management consultant and interim manager because I saw that I needed, my company wanted me to apply certain blueprints to companies and certain ways of looking at things. And I've never been somebody who thinks in one way. So I said goodbye to my then job. And I said, you know what? This is not for me anymore. Got my own, own coach and I got divorced in that same time, <laughs> which, by the way, is something I never recommend to anybody. Don't do those things in the same year because it's always, you know, more impactful than you think. Been there, done that. In the same year also? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I never met anybody else who did that. Wow. Kudos oh, yeah, to you yeah. that you survived. Oh, I survived and I thrived. But yeah. they both had to be done. I had no other choices. It's I needed to get out of my own way and I was miserably married. So I just, you know, 
like you, I have a computer science degree. I got my degree, started my little business. There was nobody to help me with it, but I'm one of those people. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to fix it, break it, fix it, break it, get back up, fix it, break it. And I've learned as I've gone, but yeah, I did both in the same year and I'm not sorry. It was, it had to be done. Oh, we're so similar. Yeah. Computer science, who knew? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yes. and I was one of the very few females in my class and I didn't yeah. care. I just needed to do what I needed to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And also what you said, fix it, break it, fix it, break it. Fix it. That That is my pattern also. I needed to break stuff in order to be able to fix it. Oh, yeah. I break right? stuff all the time. I break myself all the time. I'll yeah. sit in a and this is um, this is no joke. I will often raise my left hand in the air and smack it with my right hand and say, bad, Denise. Then I take a break. <laughs> and then I go back and I try to fix it. But you have to keep a sense of humor about it all. Yeah. And I bet you're also very resilient. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. have to be. You do, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur. I'm not a coach. I'm not sure that I have the patience to be a coach. I'm a great consultant, though. And, you know, I can say that with, you know, not even trying to be humble. I'm very good at it. But I had to learn from pulling myself up off the floor and say, get moving. Stop mm. whining about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I don't consider myself to be a coach. I consider myself somebody who's much more than a coach. I always call myself a trusted advisor. Oh, I like that better. Yeah. Have you seen the the Godfather movie, the first one? No, I'm not real. I read everything. I'll read the back of a cereal box, and I don't even eat cereal, but I don't necessarily watch TV or movies. I did watch the Harry Potter movies, so there's that. Oh, that's a good start. Yeah. No, well, just what a, about the Godfather inspired you? So to paint a picture, so there's the, the Godfather is about this guy called Don Corleone, right? He's the head of the mafia in uh, in New York. And he's got a couple of sons. So every time Don Corleone needs to think about something, when he has a problem or when he, when he needs to solve something, he, you know, he talks about it. But his sons, his sons always want violence. They always want to solve everything with violence, right? <laughs> so what Don Corleone does, he doesn't listen to his sons. He goes back to the, to the to a little room and he goes there with a guy called Tom Hagen. And Tom Hagen is the consigliere. They call him the consigliere of, of Don Corleone. Tom Hagen is able to listen deeply to what um, Don Corleone is saying. And then Tom just needs to say one or two sentences and Don Corleone knew, knows what to do. That's what I call a trusted advisor. It's somebody who listens deeply, who understands where you are, who understands your world, who can really see where you're getting in your own way. And just he just points at one thing. Hey, have you thought about this? Or what are you doing there? And maybe this is a mistake. Or have you tried that? And the other person goes like, whoa, where have you been all my life? And they're ready to move ahead. That's what I call a trusted advisor. You know, this guy, this, I just shared a story about. I just pointed him that he always needed to be right and that that's getting in his way. When you're a human, when you're a people leader and you try to be always right, you're not a people leader. Your game is to be always right. And it doesn't work as a people leader because people don't feel seen. It's just one thing right? Changed the guy's life. And that's what I like about being a trusted advisor. It's sometimes it's a bit of coaching. Sometimes it's mentoring. Sometimes it's training. 
sometimes just straight up telling somebody, stop doing this and start doing that, like a consultant would do. And honestly, when you started telling that story, my my mind went straight to, he didn't learn a thing. This could not have ended well, but it did. So this man was able, even after he was sitting there tapping his knee and, you, you know, you, you were tapping him and saying, stop, stop, breathe, listen. He actually took a moment or several moments to stand back and go, well, I'll be darned. Yeah. Well, not in that exact moment, three weeks later. Right. But he yeah. took the time. I yeah. mean, it could have, you know, if he was really committed to being a boss and not a leader, he would have just kept on doing what he was doing. Yeah, and let me let me share one thing that I this is one of this has been one of my biggest lessons. Nobody likes a pleaser. No, they don't. Nobody likes a pleaser. Yet, if you look at the world, we all want we all want to please people. We all want to belong. We want to hear that we're doing well. We want to hear that you know we're a good boy or a good girl or you know even it's, it's something that we carried over from childhood because it was important to be liked by your parents right so you take that over from childhood and you go into business and you try to lead people and you try to please them by not holding them accountable you know I, another story i had this guy he ran a business oh he ran a team of uh, investment bankers so every monday morning they would have a meeting and they would all start at nine and there was one guy one guy always be late he always came in on his motorcycle. So they'd start at nine. He would walk in, 9.05. He would walk into the meeting room. He was wearing this leather uh, bike suit, right? And he would just take his helmet off and he would take his... And the guy would always be, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm late. Next time I'm... But the boss would not hold the guy accountable because he really liked the guy as a person. Now, can you imagine what that did to all the other people in the room who were there at nine o'clock? Oh, yeah. The resentment had to have been boiling over. Exactly. Why do we have to be on time and that guy gets to be late? So the, the, the respect for the boss just goes down immediately. And then the boss comes to me and he says, why don't people respect me? Well, I have an idea. Because you don't hold people accountable and people really don't respect people who please or try to be nice. People respect people who speak straight. And with straight, I'm not meaning venting. I'm not talking about uh, making somebody wrong, but just really that there's no difference between what's in your mind and what comes out of your mouth in a way that moves the other person forward, that helps the other person, not breaks them down, but helps them. How did this, did he finally say, listen, dude, show up or go find another job? Uh, I don't know. I worked with that team for three months. Uh, the other guy, I think he left the the motor, the guy with the motorcycle. He left for another team because he had very specific knowledge that he could basically take anywhere. So the guy had many, many options. Mm. Um, but he never actually stood up to him. Let's see. I find that interesting. I mean, if you are reading the room and as a leader, you should be reading the room, right? You should be looking at all of your people looking at and physically looking at them are, you know, eyebrows going up or, you know, the corners of your mouth turning down. You can read those micro expressions and kind of figure out where you are going right or going wrong. Yeah. If you're sensitive to that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you can even do that on the phone. 
you can do you can tell by people's voice inflections are they interested are they engaged do they hate you are they thinking oh geez you know i need to go outside and walk the dog i don't want to be here you can tell if you're listening properly if you're watching properly and i guess that leads me to my next question is when you're you're dealing with people and you're helping people what are some of the different ways that you can watch and observe and find out, you know, outside of, you know, the, the one that you told us about where you could see instantly that this man was just going to break everybody down and not know he was doing it. What are some of the things that you've learned over time that you just, now it's automatic to you, to for you to be observing? Do you mean like, uh, like patterns that we all have? Yeah. The patterns, I mean, you know, you said that you would fail all the time, break and fail, and, you know, do the same thing that I do. But again, you're in a very specific type of advising. And you said that you do what you do because you made so many mistakes as you were mm-hmm. going. Up. So where have, have you noticed that you're doing specific things that maybe other advisors, trusted advisors are not doing that are now just, they're so natural to you, but they weren't in the beginning because you had to become aware yeah 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 that's a that's an excellent question so the first part of my working life was all about hardcore business right uh as a management consultant i would go with teams and we would do like the whole process analysis and kpi dashboards and see where we can optimize where we can put in some automation and all that really the hardcore business stuff the second part was that wait a minute um how is it possible that People get together for three to five days to think about a company strategy, for instance. And then, you know, smart people, people with degrees and stuff like PhDs and really smart people, really experienced people. And they come out with a strategy and the strategy bombs. How is that possible? Right? How how come? What is it that because the strategy looks amazing? Well, the key is that people never in business, they don't look at who is the one that is creating the strategy. Uh Aha, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. And that's my second part. Who is the person that creates the strategy? Because if you have a fixed way of looking at a business, I can almost predict what you're going to come up with, right? I had a guy in one of my my, uh, retreats. This guy always looks for something to solve. So he's constantly butting in with other departments. You should do this. The quality there should be better, even though he's not part of quality. So he spread out very thin. His boss started complaining. He said, look, guy, I'm not paying you to solve everybody else's problems. What I pay you for is to take the big rocks in your department and move them forward on a, on a global scale. Right? He was for a logistics company, worked for the logistics company. And so the boss said, Rich, can you work with him? So I worked with him. And it turns out that there's a reason why this guy has a task list that is as long as, you know, the Mississippi River. Because he doesn't know who he is when he doesn't have anything to do. His value comes from having something to do. The moment he's got nothing to do, he will make up some drama or he will make he will break something so he can fix it again. But as long as he doesn't see that, that that's the underlying pattern. It's a compensation pattern for something that happened in the past. As long as he doesn't see that, I can give him advice, strategy, tips and tricks. I can have him read a book about how to do better time management. The underlying software is faulty. 
if we don't fix that, then there's no new way of seeing things for this guy, right? So most people live in this paradigm, the two paradigms. First paradigm people live in is do, be, sorry, do, have, be, right? So first do, then have, then be. So an example, do, I need to work hard, have, so to get the promotion, right? So, to, so I get to have that promotion. And to be is then I can be happy. That's a paradigm a lot of people live in. Do, have, be. Need to work hard so I can get the promotion and then I'll be happy. Or I need to have that relationship so I can be married and then I'll be forever happy. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I think about that. But, you know, yeah. you, you said something important there because... I see this, so especially during wedding season. I was a jeweler for a long time, so I met a lot of brides and grooms, and then I met them in the divorces when they were trying to resell the, the very expensive <laughs> yeah. rings that they bought. But, you know, it was always like, oh, I just can't wait. We're going to be so, and I'm like, well, what are you right now? Why yeah. aren't you happy now? Why are you putting this future date on your happiness? I have never understood that. Because we all make our happiness, everything, we think we need to do X in order to be something. I need this amount of money to be safe. I need this relationship to feel happy. The actual model, how it really works, it's not the do, have, be model. It's the be, do, have model, right? I'm right in my, do in my have, relationship be, with be, do, have, is that right? Be, do, have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So Let's you stop from who you're being, right? So if I think that I need to be in a relationship so that somebody can love me so I can feel love, my God, I just took a wrong exit. Get a cat. Seriously. Right? Get a cat. Get a dog. You don't go, yeah, but you don't go How many people do that, right? So they say, oh, I don't feel satisfied anymore in my job. Well, that's because it doesn't work that way. A job can't give you satisfaction. How it really works is you bring satisfaction to your job, right? And being a satisfied worker, your doings, your acts, the things that you're doing, they come from a place of satisfaction. So you're going to be much more positive. You're going to be much more effective. You're going to be much more connected to people because you come from this place of satisfaction generated inside of you. You're not waiting for the people and the world to give that to you like a victim. You, you, you bring that. You generate it inside of you. And then you do things coming from satisfaction. And guess what? The people that bring satisfaction to their job, that bring uh, energy to their job, they're going to get promoted much quicker. So you're going to have that promotion as a result of who you are, not as a result, as a result. of something that you do. Right. It's a ripple effect. Listen, it if is. you show up and you're sour and you're cranky and you're constantly running for the coffee machine because you're tired, you wear people out. And they're not going to come to you when they need advice or they need, you know, for you to look at something and say, well, you know, what's going to happen here? How can I help you? You're going to be avoided or fired. Yeah. Or in a relationship when you think, yeah. oh, I don't feel the same love anymore. Well, you're doing that, actually. <laughs> and by the way, I'm in, in no way am I saying that people should stay in loveless relationships, but I'm saying what if you, instead of getting love from your partner, what if you just started bringing love to relationship and see what that does? We are mirrors, aren't we? 
We are. We mirror what we see other people do. People see us and we're mirrors. I mean, it's hard to explain what I'm thinking, but if we are seeing the same thing from ourselves all the time and we don't know that we're doing it, it's time to look in a different mirror. Get some other, you know, different advice. So, Rich, when you are propelling clients, and I love that term, and they're already formidable, and you're helping them to get to even greater heights, we've talked a bit about some of the the ways that you help, but are there other things that you can share with our audience that they'll say, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, we're talking about, you know, fostering meaningful discussions. We're talking about not being the pain and the fanny guy in the corner who is always going to be right. Where else can people look at themselves before they look at anybody else and say, I'll be darned. I do that. Maybe I should update my operating system. Yeah. Well, a very quick and easy way to do that is a simple process. It's just four steps. And if you do this, uh, and you practice it because in the beginning, it's not automatic. It's going to take some time. You need to bring some awareness to it. It's basically this. Stop, right? During the day, stop. Notice what's in your thinking. Just notice what's in your thinking. And there might be something like, oh, I need to go to a meeting. I don't really want to go. Or uh, I don't like my job anymore. Or, oh, I hate the weather where I am, right? Just stop. Notice what's in your listening. Then see for yourself, when that's in my mind, I would. what does my reality look like? Oh, I feel a bit depressed, or I feel unhappy, or I feel scared, or I feel whatever. Okay, can you give up the thought? Can you just give it up? Like you turn off a radio station. Can you just give it up? Can you just turn off an, to another station? Just give it up. You don't need to override it or whatever. Just give up the thought. Now that you're empty again and present, What's your next step? So stop, notice what's in your thinking, give it up. And I promise if you have a thought you're not willing to give up, I promise you, you're getting something from holding on to that thought, right? Most people don't give up thoughts because they want to be right about something or somebody. But once you give up the thought, turn down the volume on it, you'll bring yourself back to presence. And when you're present, you got everything going for you. You got your energy. You got your perspective and you make the best decisions from that perspective. You you can. And listen, I have a, a trick that I call it the open refrigerator door syndrome trick. Because I'm, you know, I'm in front of a computer all the time. I'm thinking, I think in code, I dream in code. It's bizarre. But every once in a while, I'll catch myself in a loop and think, you know, I'm looking at a piece of code or I'm looking at something that I'm writing or I'm just irritated. Who knows what's going on? And I will deliberately stand up, leave my office, which is in my home, go open my refrigerator doors, big double door refrigerator, and I stick as much of my body as I can in the refrigerator. <laughs> you know why? Because every time you find yourself in front of the refrigerator, you don't know how you got there, what you're doing, why that refrigerator door is open. It's a good way to just shock myself or move myself out of whatever's irritating the bejeebers out of me. And I do it deliberately multiple times a day. And mm -hmm. it's, I call it my little meditation moment. So when I do come back in here and I may, you know, wander from the refrigerator outside and stand under the pecan trees, there's no telling, but I deliberately take a break 
And when I come back and maybe it was a five minute break, but I'm refreshed and that negative thought is gone. It's in the refrigerator. It's somewhere else, but I didn't bring it back with me. Yeah. That's what we call a pattern interrupt. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And I do it all the time on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So I just met like a, 30 minutes ago, I mentioned this whole thing that who we are for ourselves is in this conversation we're having with ourselves about ourselves, right? People call that an identity or a personality or a character. It's all the same. It's basically how do we talk to ourselves about ourselves and how much do we believe those thoughts? A miracle will happen if you will start to distinguish that not as who you are, but it's something that has been conditioned into you. It's been conditioned. It's been given to you by your culture, your parents, things you you uh, ran into as a kid, right? That conversation you're having, it's not you. It's just something. It's just neurons in your brain that are linked together that keep firing the same patterns on a biological level. When you start to see that who you are is just a bunch of thoughts right. and that you have the power to consciously shape that conversation you're having with yourself you can do that you can do that you can start to say hey look uh every uh, every time i'm around women let's say right example every time i'm around women now let me take an actual example i'm, I'm going to mention something from my life when i was about six seven years old right I was playing in the kitchen with my cousin and we're having a good time i was a loud kid i was playing and we were having lots and lots of fun so my mom walks in into the kitchen and she says, oh, Rich, are you in love with your cousin? And I just felt like, oh, that hurts, right? I just felt embarrassed. Like, mom, how can you say that to me? I just feel embarrassed. And as a kid, you cannot deal with these, these powerful emotions, right? So in order to deal with it, you make something up. That um, So you basically twist the truth about yourself so you don't have to deal with this painful emotion. So in that moment, what I made up is when I'm loud, I'm too much for people. So I cannot be loud. I have to be careful to not be too much for people. And as a as a young kid, that gets programmed into you like like heart, like like a, you know, like a, in a stone tablet. From that moment on, who you become is somebody who's careful. And I became a careful kid. So whenever we would be at a social event or with friends, I would never be the one who spoke up because, hey, I don't ever want to feel that embarrassment anymore of being, you know, like somebody from an authority figure would say to me something embarrassing. I would never do that again. So I decided as a winning strategy or a survival strategy, I made up, let's be careful. So I will never, ever have to experience those feelings again. So I became careful. I was a careful kid. Until 10, I didn't speak to any girl <laughs> because I didn't want to be rejected, right? But when that becomes clear that that's just programming, it's just programming. It's just something you you made up in the moment to deal with something you couldn't deal with. And you get to see, wait a minute, if I made that up in the past and it doesn't help me anymore, what else can I consciously make up that will actually help me, that will empower me? It's, That's freedom. it's interesting. It is. I mean, I was a very quiet child. In fact, I identify as a highly committed introvert. 
And I am. I need to be left alone 98% of the time. I'm not shy and I don't have any social anxiety. And when I'm out and about, people would never mistake me for an introvert. But I need to be left alone. And listening to you talk about your childhood, I'm digging back into my early past wondering what had me like that because I was the oldest of a whole bunch of kids and they were all extroverts and they drove me crazy. I mean, just the noise and the chaos and it's just, I still shudder when I think about it, but it's interesting. And I don't dislike people, although I do find that, you know, being around people, unless they're fascinating, I'm, I'm only good for about 59 and three quarter minutes because I get worn out very quickly. I get drained very quickly, but something that that you just said inspired me to remember and i can't remember if this carolyn mize or wh- whoever i i heard this from but and it pops into my head all the time and the question is is that true is it really true and once you take a moment to kind of dig in to say well you know is it an old memory is it like for instance i I'm joking, but for the longest kind of time as a child, I thought my middle name was Denise and that, you know, that damn Denise was my first name. <laughs> I was like that damn Denise <laughs> because I was always quiet. I always knew everything that the adults were talking about because they never noticed that I was in the room. But I started to ask myself a number of years ago, is that true? And I'll tell you what, that opens up a whole new way of thinking. Once you say, no, it's not true. It's not even close to true. Okay, let's go do something different. That's so powerful, isn't it? It really was. I mean, you just, you know, we kind of just, we get up in the morning. My mom would say, the devil said, oh, God, she's awake. Now what? (laughs) It's like, oh, geez. But unless we start examining ourselves and what we think are our truths and what we think, you know, we just, we just go, we just put our feet forward. We just keep on moving until we hit a really bad wall that has you bleeding from the knocking and you have to make changes. Yeah. And you can also make changes without having to hit that wall first. Exactly. And that's what we're talking about here. So when And I love what we're talking about. This has just been such an immensely exciting question, um, discussion for me. But what inspired you? I mean, we talked a bit about it, but what inspired you to say, you know, I'm going to found Insight Inc. And you've helped 6,000 individuals, I think you told me. Mm -hmm. And you collaborate with, you know, a lot of world-class companies what inspired you to say, I'm not doing what I'm doing anymore. I'm going to go use my mistakes, my lessons, and I'm going to help other people. I think it's uh, like an inborn curiosity that I have. I'm born, I'm, I'm always curious. I'm, I'm the, people call me the eternal experimenter, right? I love that. Um, <laughs> the determined experimenter, that was the one actually. So I always experiment. And when I try something, because like in five years from now, I'm probably doing something different than I'm doing today. I know it will be with people, but it will be maybe from another angle because I'm always looking for new angles. I'm always looking for new perspectives. I'm always looking for how can I help? How can I make a difference? And that will probably never stop because that's my orientation. I'm always looking at what works, what doesn't work. Um, To give an idea, um, (laughs) it's a funny story. 
I was with my wife in Munich, like, like last year in December. We were going for a Christmas market, right? One of these German Christmas markets, and um, we were having um, uh, lunch at the rooftop bar of this beautiful Bayerische Hof, beautiful hotel in Munich. So we're having um, lunch. I'm having a club sandwich. My wife has a Caesar salad. Next to us are two people in in bathrobes. They just came from the hotel wellness center. So the lady brings us our food. I give her a coupon. And uh, the lady in the bathroom next to me, she hears that I have a coupon. And she says, wow, I would like a coupon too. What can I get coupons? I love coupons, right? <laughs> so she just wanted to get free lunch also. So we get to talk. And uh, she she tells me, what do you do? And we talk about that. And she says, oh, Rich, you need to work with my executive team. They're such a mess. Can you work with them? And in the past, I would just go like, yes, let me do that, right? <laughs> but now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I can, maybe I can't, but let's have a conversation. So we had a conversation. And that turned into a, a multiple six-figure client. Now, why am I sharing that? Huh? <laughs> Over a coupon. I love that. Over a coupon. Exactly. <laughs> On a Sunday afternoon while I'm having lunch with my trip with my wife. My wife even told me, she said, you're unbelievable, Rich. She said, even on business, even when we're on, on a weekend, you, you you score a business client. I'm like, yeah, but it's not that I'm looking for it. I'm just always curious. When you tell me, can you help me? I don't know, but let's talk. Let's see. Maybe I see something. Maybe I see patterns. And it's, I will always keep doing that. I will always look like for what are you doing that you don't see that doesn't help you? And how can we get that out? so that you can come and, and, and become free again and you start to do what you really love to do. I'll always do that. Will it be coaching in five years from now? I don't know. Maybe I'm running, I don't know. Maybe I have a podcast like you or maybe I have a TV show like, uh, I don't know, or a Netflix series. <laughs> so the, it, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's always going to be, what are you doing that I can see that will help you? And it's an, an ongoing thing. When I was 10, I was curious about who built the pyramids <laughs> i read like I'm 10 books curious. i'm still curious about that i'm not convinced yeah. that humans built those but that's a whole nother story yeah i still don't have an answer either no i don't know when i was a kid i was going to grow up to be an archaeologist which is bizarre because i hate dirt and sand <laughs> but i was going to be an archaeologist because i was reading at three and all of my life, I've read anything I can lay my hands on in Egypt was always a huge passion of mine. Do I want to go there? Not really. It's hot and sandy, but still, I'm fascinated by the history. Yeah. 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 It was, we're actually very, very, very similar. It's fascinating. <laughs> you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, listen, before, and we're going to run out of time here, but we've got about five or six more minutes, but what are... I'm not even sure how to ask this. The work that you do, are there any true standout moments when you can say, good job, Rich. I am so proud of how that turned out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one specific moment. So I used to do a lot of co, uh, co-facilitating. And um, there was a moment when, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of energy, right? And we were working with a group me and my co-facilitator in Warsaw, Poland. And um, there was one particular management uh, member who was very uninterested in what we had to say. 
And he made it very clear. He was sighing. He was looking at his watch. He was tapping his foot. And like very, very. And I, I, I got a little bit annoyed. So my co-facilitator, she started paying attention to him. And I never do that. When somebody wants the attention, I don't give it, right? Because that's that's their strategy. They want to interrupt everything. So I speak to the people who want to learn. But she was giving attention to that person. So I started nodding my my uh, co-facilitator. I said, don't do that. Don't, don't give that guy attention. He just, you know, he wants to interrupt the whole thing. But she kept doing that. And I got kind of upset. And I got more and more upset, more and more upset. And I got very irritated. So I said to everybody, okay, everybody, let's have a break. Um, go to the coffee machine and, you know, come back in 15 minutes. Denise, I was furious. I was so upset. So the people went out of the room. We closed the door. And I said to my co-presenter, a co-facilitator, I said, if you keep doing that, I'll take my uh, luggage and I'm out of here and you will never, ever see me again. Stop doing that. <laughs> that could not have ended well. I can just see her face now. So she looked at me and she said, Rich, I see you're upset. Take a minute and then we can talk about this. And because of her kindness, because of her uh, not being triggered, being able to, I mean, I can trigger people. Holy shit, I know which buttons to push with my background. I see right through people, right? So I know which buttons to push. But the fact that she said that, I felt so much love for her. I was like, oh, my God. And I said, her name's Bobs. I said, Bobs, oh, my God. No, I'm so sorry for judging you. I'm so sorry for being this way. This is not the right way to work with this group. I'm going to get a glass of water, and let's talk how we can make an impact and how we deal with that guy who's so impatient, uh, who's so uh, negative. My whole anger was gone because of... The fact that she wasn't triggered. And what I learned is that people can trigger you or I can trigger people. But if they don't answer back, it's like with martial arts, right? If they use that energy to work with you, anything's possible. And you can just disarm somebody with a smile or with understanding and just seeing somebody and acknowledging somebody. And this is what I say to all my leaders in the companies that I work with. It's not about being the smartest, the best, the fastest, the one who makes the most money, who's got the biggest office. It's not about that. That's all nice and kind. But it's all about can you be with people even when they're not the way you want them to be? Those are the most powerful leaders that I see. Absolutely. So how did, I have to ask, why was she paying attention to this? He sounds like a total narcissist. But why was she dealing with him? What because was your reasoning? She felt that that was uh, what was needed. She was, um, so I've been doing that work for 15 years by then. She was doing the work for two years, right? She was, oh. I, was kind of, I was kind of mentoring her also. Um, but that's something she's uh, a bit stuck in, <laughs> to be honest, still. <laughs> she still gives attention to people who want the attention, and it's not always the best strategy. But in that moment, hmm? I would not think it would be the best strategy. I, I'm like you, I'm just like, if you want to be disruptive, you're going to have to turn your your face to the, the wall and talk to the wall because you're not going to get to me. Yeah, that's, that's my strategy. I always speak, you know, you know what a bell curve is, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's always, when you talk about this stuff, there's always a bunch of people that say, this is interesting, it's fantastic, I'm fascinated. And the big majority, they're like, hmm, I'm kind of undecided, but let's see. And then there's this last part who always say, oh, soft skills. 
right? <laughs> and they think it's just soft skills and it's a bunch of nonsense and it doesn't work. So I never give attention to those people. I give attention to the early adopters. I give attention to the ones who make the difference. And when they start to get results, that big majority, that big part in the middle, they go like, hey, wait a minute, they are getting results. We want those results also. And that's the way to bring change to a company or to any organization, basically. You start to work with the people who get the results and then the other ones will follow. The eternal critics, you will never be able to reach them anyway. So do I like them? Yeah. Do I love them? Yeah. Do I spend time on them? I try to understand their point of view, but I'm not here to baptize them. <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> I, that's pithy. I like that. But you're right. Listen, I come across people like that all the time. They're just going to be negative no matter what. That's their personality. So yes. I will mentally say, God bless you, or as we say in the South, bless their hearts. And that's not a good thing. And if we say, bless your little heart, that means you're too stupid. It'll never wash off. It's really <laughs> <laughs> but but there are always going to be people who want to, to show up, and there are always going to be people who maybe they're not going to show up now. Maybe it'll be a week from now. Maybe it'll be five years from now, but they're going to work at their own pace. You do your best. It's all you can do. Exactly. This has been fascinating. Before I let you go, do you have any last-minute advice or thought that you want to share with the audience yeah my advice would be listen for the gold you're always creating things the way you are you don't see the world as it is you see the world the way you are so when you're frustrated you have you see all kinds of reasons outside there to be frustrated when you're happy you see all kinds of reasons out there to be happy the power really is in you. It's how are you listening? Can I share a metaphor, a story? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so let's close with this one. So there's a boy and a girl. They buy a new house, right? So first morning in the house, the girl's standing in her kitchen making coffee. And she looks outside and she sees her neighbor. And the neighbor's walking out with a laundry full of a basket full of laundry. And she's putting the laundry on the line to dry. And the girl looks outside and she goes like, hey, wait a minute, that laundry is still dirty. Doesn't she see that? That's weird. But she lets it go. Next morning, she stands again in the kitchen in the morning making her coffee. The neighbor comes out again. And again, she puts the, the laundry on the line. And she's like, see, I wasn't wrong yesterday. That laundry is still dirty. That white is not white. The colors all look bad. What's wrong with this lady? Does she, is the washing machine not broken? Uh, does, she, does she need glasses? What's going on? And on the third day, again, she's in the kitchen. Neighbor comes out, puts out the laundry on the line. So the girl stands there and she's like, unbelievable. And this woman, so she calls her husband into the kitchen. She says, hey, God, look, do you see that? The guy looks out and he says, yeah, yeah, I see what's going on. And he walks out. Fourth day, again, she's in her kitchen making her coffee. Neighbor comes out, puts out the laundry on the line. But this time it's clean, right? Totally clean. And the girl looks out. She's like, hey, what happened? Oh, I know. I think my husband went over there and he probably told her that her washing machine is broken or that she needs some some new uh, you know stuff to make it more clean or I don't know, but I, I think my husband helped us. She said, hey, hun, come over. Did you go to the neighbor and tell her that she needs to fix her washing machine? And the guy says, no, honey, I just cleaned the window. 
<laughs> that is I'm laughing like a loon. That is brilliant. That really is. It's perception, isn't it? It's how you perceive things. Always. Always. Oh my goodness. That and is to some of your listeners. I understand that sometimes you go like, yeah, Rich, but you don't understand my perspective. I'm really into this and this and this. And look, yes, I get that. And I have a lot of compassion for everybody who's there. But ultimately, the power is always inside of you. I saw the news here yesterday about the Ukraine. The whole power network is out. They have no power. They have no gas. They got nothing. And it's freezing cold. And there was this lady on the news that said, you know what? The weather is the weather. I get to determine what I think about the weather. So the weather is great. Exactly. Yeah, I don't worry about, and I've been this way all my life. I don't worry about things that I have absolutely no ability to change. I just look at it, decide how I'm going to perceive it, and keep on moving. I only work at the things that I know I can make change at. Yes, you have the power. There's no power out there. There's only power in you. That's exactly right. Well, Rich, I have thoroughly enjoyed your company today. This has been an amazing conversation. And spending this time with you has been such a pleasure. So before I let you go, would you mind sharing your online presence and your preferred means of contact for those who wish to learn more about you or hire you or just lurk around and follow you on social media? Yeah, sure. They can go to my website, which is uh, richhabits.com. And uh, habits is not the habits word as an American, but with an E instead of the I, right? So richhabits.com. Uh, I got a lot of podcasts there. I got some articles that people can read. Maybe that helps them. And they can see what I uh, what I do and how I do it. And uh, well, they can always look me up on Facebook, just on Rich Habits. I'm not big on, on Instagram or any other platforms. I'm on Twitter, also rich underscore habits. And, uh, you know, I just, if people have questions, I'm more than willing to uh, to interact. So be my guest. Well, thank you. Well, listen, everybody, as we conclude today's episode reluctantly, because I've still got questions. In fact, honestly, Rich, I would love for you to come back in the new year. If you feel like you still have things that you'd like to share, just let me know and I will invite you back. That sounds amazing. I love these conversations. I would love to do these for the rest of my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. I'll send you a note. and We'll get you back on in the new year. But listen, everybody, if you found the show helpful, please support us with a quick review on iTunes. And the reason I ask is your input is vital in my mission to inspire and empower more individuals. So don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a review, and share your partner in Success Radio with friends and colleagues. And be sure to go find Rich Habits on the web and connect with him. And thank you for tuning in. Rich, thank you. This has been an enormous pleasure. And I'm not just spouting that for the heck of it. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Denise, for the invitation. My pleasure. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab.